Is that the sound of the so, cousins? I didn't mean to do that one. That, that's what. Yeah, that's what happens when uh, Simba and Nala. Nala. God damn it! Can you stop with the incest? Me. Can again. they feel the love tonight? Oh, they did. Simba, help me! I'm stuck. <laughs> She I hate does everything. She does give very sexual eyes when he first tackles her. Very sexual. That's uh, that was our sex education back in the nineties. All right, so that's childhood <laughs> done. I'm gonna go ahead and roll us out of there. Yeah. remember what you made us do because i remember yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. explain sure. explain what we had to Pepperidge, do in research Pepperidge well, farm remembers well first <laughs> off welcome to another episode of no films given we're all glad that you're here <laughs> that wasn't a joke <laughs> you're a joke i'm not i'm not in control of the button today so you can all blame curly for that it's gonna be fine but yeah thanks for, for tuning in for another episode uh, i know it's been a while but uh, we've all had stuff going on, so whatever. You're listen. You'll listen when when you when you can. So this topic this week is my week, and I played a little game last. This time. is your month. <laughs> this is my, my month, right? So uh, we played a little game. We each randomly picked a number through an app. Whatever. A letter. A letter. A yeah, letter. A um, and then we each came. We each got a letter. So I got P. Curly got J. Frankie got L. And then we each picked a topic to sort of go, to sort of pick something that incorporates that letter into, you know, the topic. So the three topics we chose, I chose childhood, Curly chose vacation, and Frankie chose actor. Yeah, I'm going to go out a limb and say, this topic is stupid. I don't appreciate it. The only thing I appreciated about it is that I could literally find a way to shoehorn what I wanted to talk about into all of this. So I appreciate your efforts, but it's a no for me, dog. Yeah, it, it didn't quite pan out the way I wanted to. But also to what you just said is to shoehorn something to make it fit is sort of what I wanted. I did not want all horror movies. I did not want all comedies, all sci-fi. I sort of wanted to see where you guys would go, what kind of things you would pick, how you would make sense of it, because I definitely stretched some shit to make this topic work, and I sort of enjoyed doing that because I was doing research. <sighs> okay. But anyway, so we each picked a letter, each picked a category. I really wanted us to shoehorn these in, try to find weird, quirky ways to make these topic fits. So... Topic fits. Yeah, I know. Shut up. Uh, so we'll go right into it. Like I said, my letter I picked was P. My category was childhood. And the movie I picked, again, shoehorned, was the Power Rangers movie. <laughs> okay, are we which, talking wait, like the new, the, the new one, one or the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers? The Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Oh, I Yes, baby. With Ivan Ooze, exactly. I yeah. have a really funny I know memory about this. What, what an underrated villain Ivan Ooze is. I know it's technically <laughs> the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, but you never called it that growing up. It was no. the Power Rangers movie. I used to love... I fucking remember when Power Rangers first aired when I was like six years old. Yeah. And I came home from school and I put it on and I was like, hell yeah, this is great. And the putties... Uh, the well, the putties <laughs> being a the Power Ranger were, was a dream of mine for a very long time. <laughs> Being 
The Power Ranger was a very long dream of me for a while. Okay. As there's that the Pink, Pink Ranger, Ranger you, poster you. directly behind you. <laughs> okay, so I I dressed up like the White Ranger for Power or for Halloween. Which there's a there's a YouTube video where the there's a girl who talks about oh how the Power Rangers taught you to be racist because the white one's the most powerful, the Asian one is yellow, the black one is black, the gay one is blue. Yeah. So I'm yeah. like, this is problematic, but I don't care. Get back to the movie. Well, I, the blue was my favorite as a kid. Blue was? <laughs> I I like the blue, but I, I thought, he was, I like thought the it was white. cool that it was nerdy. I, I like that the nerdy guy got some recognition and was like part of a team and was doing stuff. Except he got bullied severely. In real life? Oh, yeah. Yeah. On the, on the set. On set, yeah. it was pretty bad. Yeah, because... Because he was closeted gay. Yeah. Okay. I didn't want to say something that I didn't know for a fact, but I remember hearing that. that yeah, he was, he, I think he wrote an op-ed about that. It was a lot of homophobic No, he's, he's very open about it now. Yeah. yeah. Um. So anyway, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie, 1995, American superhero about five kids, teenagers in Angel Grove that need to defeat all evil. How about that? skydiving scene the very <laughs> that's, that's how this movie opens up it's oh it's, it's, it's so good <laughs> tommy's got the uh snowboard for some no, okay, reason the, no 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 the best part is the rollerblading scene that follows up right after, after that <laughs> what was it with movies in the 90s that loved rollerblading there was but that you know what as mighty kid, ducks i loved that whole thing as a kid i was like this is so cool it was awesome they were doing all the cool shit that i wanted to do when now, i was I remember a kid. my grandmother took me to rollerblade because she thought that that was like a fundamental that i needed to know in the 90s i got i guess because apparently <laughs> because of the media that was out there were they all everybody rich? was rollerblading were they all rich in the show because they just had infinite wealth to do whatever no, they I don't, wanted i don't think so i think they just had some alpha five and zordon money yeah fair <laughs> Fair, all the gold because, like, you know, one was the cheerleader, one was the nerd, all the uh, stereotypes that all you get in high school. So, there's no way that they're raking in that cash. I, I love there was no that. OnlyFans then again. Going back you to couldn't... it made you racist, there was there was the jock, there was the cheerleader, there was the smart kid, and then the black and Asian person, <laughs> which is so fun. It is so fucked up, but guess what? I still loved that show and that and the movie. The movie holds a special place in my heart because I think I saw it in theaters. I also, when I was in Juneau, Alaska, and I got a little too drunk at a party once, and I woke up, and the first text on my phone was, the Power Rangers movie is on, come hither. And I go upstairs, and I threw my mattress on the floor in the living room, just passed out on it, watching <laughs> the Power Rangers movie at 22 <laughs> years old. I think that was the first movie I saw in theaters without... A parent or a grown-up. Huh. I think it was... I think me and my cousin went... It was either that or Lion King. I'm having mixed memories, but one or one or the other... They're have, pretty close in release days, so yeah. It might have been Shazam. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, anyway, the show... <laughs> the show changes the whole... Uh, Quote-unquote races from the show because i don't think that's what it was aiming at but uh they did they changed characters new characters came in which was cool especially with how big the movie was that they didn't have the original cast back then i guess people just didn't mind they had the original cast no it wasn't yes, it was it everybody was. except for the original yellow ranger but i think that was because of unfortunate events no the black ranger the was black ranger not, was the same if i if i'm right you guys owe me 20 bucks no i know you're talking about mastodon gay adam park who is Definitely not black was the Black Ranger. He was the Asian. Yeah. The second Asian? 
not the original Asian yeah, Yellow. Yeah, not Ranger. the Yellow. Then there was still Tommy. Pink Ranger was still Pink Ranger. Red Ranger was the second Red Ranger. Okay. And then Billy was still the Blue Ranger. But yeah, they changed up the Black Ranger, the Yellow Ranger, and the Red Ranger was like the second iteration. I think the guy they got for the second season of Mighty Morphin. Can we talk about Yeah, because it wasn't that, the though, original Joss, Jason T. Austin or whatever. We're on the tangents of all tangents, but I don't care. Can we talk about the fact that they like go to like the island to figure out the how to defeat the ooze and they just become ninjas? They become ninjas. They get their new zords, which were sick. I remember I had every single one from whatever the fast food was. I think it was McDonald's. Oh, it was McDonald's. You could get all the morphers, too. You could. They were so sick. The merch merchandising of that movie was great and so i specifically good. remember the like the trailer for that movie and it'd be like dun, 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 and it would show the fucking bird the falcon that would like point its wings towards them that. and shoot i had that so toy stupid. i had that toy too like he had to have been like two feet long and then the wings went in it turned into like a gun or something like that i went to a serious i went through a serious like i love like the best Power Rangers is space because it is the darkest and it has like a whole series arc that actually ends on a note. I spent months trying to find all of those Zord toys to put them together. Frankie, did you watch anything past Mighty Morphin? I did. I watched Turbo and Zeo, which were the the two after nerds. Did you watch? And then there was also the Turbo movie. I think Zeo was right afterwards, right? Because they were in space for Zeo and then Turbo, they got all the cool 90s looking cars that would have made Vin Diesel very proud. No, I didn't watch anything past Mighty Morphin. I I, I did watch Turbo. It was a uh, significantly awful movie. But then I watched Space, the show, because that one was very dark. There is murder and mayhem and everything. And it's all about the universe being destroyed. It was actually really interesting. Uh, yeah, I'm glad that we were all huge Power Ranger fans. Oh, I, I, that was like a dream I was like man if I had powers I could kick the shit out of all my bullies this would be great <laughs> you know what I think is really funny and interesting is that and I'm sure you guys know this but the original show the kids in the American version only shot the parts where they were out of the suits all the all the rest of the footage was from the Japanese I think it was a, it was a Japanese company yeah. but what I did also like about it is that the major I can't remember if it was the majority but I know a lot of them were also like in karate and like doing it like Jason David yeah. Frank was like doing fighting MMA. and stuff and now he is big in MMA and he's still did you see the movie that yeah he's- that guy's still killing it at cons did you see the movie that he's coming out with it's called like Enter the White Dragon or something, and he's basically a Power Ranger without calling them Power Rangers, and he's fighting evil and he morphs it, and stuff. Is it like more adult and stuff? It is. Yeah, okay. that's uh, that is both funny and on brand. And I'm not gonna watch it, but I'll look at the stills. <laughs> and then, did you ever see? It was a short. <laughs> it was a short little film. It might have been like ten minutes long. Where who's Dawson? Jason Vander... James Vanderbeek. James Vanderbeek. He played a ranger, and it was this really short, super bloody sort of trailer for a fake movie sort of thing that was really cool. You guys got to watch that. Okay. Sorry, I'm being very unprofessional, just eating a ton of popcorn in the microphone. Um. So... Anything anything to specifically note about this movie or why it was such a impactful on your childhood, besides the fact that we it was just, just Power went Rangers. Through, but- Every kid wanted boy, girl, anything wanted to be a Power Ranger. They were so cool. They were kicking ass, you know, they had powers. 
it was just it was fun and i just remember watching it all the time yeah ivan it just, ooze it was, ivan ooze was great didn't they get like a ma- like a really like well-known actor the, to do it yeah he was the villain in the last crusade of indiana jones yeah it was Man. just so they had a pretty good cast for uh, Ivan News, and I think he's underrated. You know, he gets like he could have been for our underrated villains. No, I, what was that? Up? No, it was honestly it was him, <clears throat> Tommy Lee Jones for me, and and Batman Forever, along with Doctor Loveless, obviously from uh, Wild Wild West. So yeah. those are those are my three. So I had to struggle with those three, and I was like, eh, you guys might not. He was really good. He was funny, and something on the rewatch because I try to rewatch all the movies before we do one of these. The puns so in these movies. So, so many puns. <laughs> every single action, every single time they do something, like when they're on the land of lost children or whatever the fuck it's called, and Tommy jumps on top of the Triceratops, and he, the Triceratops bones, and it's like bucking like a horse. goes, whoa, this thing's got mad horns, bro. And I'm like, oh, what? God. Oh, well, they also make like a, like a Jurassic Park reference and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, was was this one the one where Rita and Zed were like in, trapped in the snow globe or something? Yes. Oh, damn! Because in the mm-hmm. second one, I remember there being a part where the main villain—I can't remember what her name was—Andromeda or something was like calls Rita, who's her cousin, like, "Hey, cuz, I'm going against the Power Rangers. Any any advice?" And you're like, "Yeah." And she's like in bed with Zed, and Zed has an eye mask on his like metal cowl thing. Like Rita was the best one, and I like the memes now, where it's just like, oh, me coming out of my COVID slumber. It's like I'm free. (laughs) Yeah, talk talk about like childhood nostalgia. uh, Brian Cranston did a lot of the voices for some of those villains, which is why he was Zordon in the remake. Really? Yeah. So Hmm. like as. Kind of like homage that something he wanted to do was be Zordon. So I thought that was pretty cool. What did, what did you guys think of the new Power Rangers movie? I was... Uh, it was a movie that was not made for me. Yeah, it was very Breakfast Clubby. It was... They were trying really hard to, like, shoehorn... Again, Power Rangers... Power Rangers, the original, did, like, stereotypes unknowingly this one they shoehorned stereotypes to fit them to make them misfits and i didn't like that i don't think anybody appreciated that they had the blue ranger had autism the yellow ranger was um i don't know sexually fluid like i don't know if she even said she was specifically lesbian and then wasn't the red ranger like a criminal or a bad boy. Yeah, he was the bad like boy. He was the misunderstood bad boy yeah. that just got in trouble. Yeah, they were they were trying to shoehorn these stereotypes. I did think that Elizabeth Banks did a good job as like a new pseudo Rita who was also like an old Green Ranger. I thought that she did a good job. I think that it was it was not a movie made for fans of the original. It was like new hey, generation. It was a new generation. Let's try and make this a new franchise. And yeah, they put not. they put Tommy and Kimberly in the. Uh, the the end, you know, a little little Easter egg for the OG yeah. fans. But. Having um been a fan of the show and the movie from earlier and Goldar being yeah. one of the coolest villains ever, and then he was just a big <laughs> pile of gold. Yeah. At the end of that one, that was really dis- disappointing, but besides that, it was okay. It was like, it was fine. It was fine. Yeah. It, it one of my great. favorite lines from Ivanus is I smell teenagers. 
it was gross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's that's all for me. Yeah. Uh, good pick. Uh, my childhood is forever peaked. Cool. So, Frankie. Okay. It should, it should be you next. Why? In the regular order that we sit. Fine. Okay. So. So again, childhood. Childhood. And Curly, okay, so Curly, you had the letter J. I had the letter J, which I feel like I was cheated, but it's fine because I was able to shoehorn this because I've been wanting to talk about this movie for a while and I've quoted it several times in previous episodes. I picked Adam Stanley Values because <laughs> of Joan Cusack. Nice. J. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. I like that. The Joan Cusack. Ugh. This really? movie, every she single did time. So really, good. you don't like her as Jesse in Toy Story? I don't like. Yeah, because you don't have to look at her. F- oh, face. you didn't like her as Debbie Jalinski with a J. Also, an underrated villain. I think. also an underrated villain. This movie made my childhood because you know, as a kid, you don't get all of the double entendre, which is great, but. As an adult, you understand so much more and you get like little jokes and quips because that what Adam's family was in the first one was good at is they were like dry humor. You laughed for the absurdity of it. This one, they definitely threw in a lot more jokes that just landed every time. And the amount like the production value of it and what lengths they did to just make all of the scenes great. Like, you know, Morticia, Angelica Houston was in a steel corset at all times in this dress that like it would cause her all this pain. And then in every scene you look at when she'd hit her mark to speak, she was fucking yeah. lit just on her eye line. Oh, yeah, and, it gave her migraines and stuff. And it like would that. give her migraines and stuff. If you look when they're outside at like the camp introducing them and you look at her, she has a fucking blinding light directly across her face just to deliver her oh, she's at a special place where girls only have one thing on their mind. Boys, homicide. <laughs> like I, I think that's an example of a movie that maybe surpassed the original. It did. That oh, it was 100%. so good. Real quick. I know I've seen it. Give me a quick quick synopsis because I haven't seen it in a while. So Uncle Fester's lonely and the they have or the uh, Gomez and Morticia have a new baby and the kids are trying to kill it in yes. the way that Adam's family does. <laughs> so they keep trying to hire nannies, which that whole scene is just so good. It's like I've had it up to here. Where is that baby? Which part? Like, it's so good. <laughs> um... Then Debbie shows up, Debbie Jelinski, and she basically like seduces her way into the family to become the nanny. And she's you find the one out that they call Black Widow or something. She's like that, right? basically okay. she is a Black Widow, so she has been married three other times, and she always kills the husbands for their fortune. And so she researched Uncle Fester, and she basically seduces him, marries him, says like just to try and kill him to take the money, but all of her attempts at killing him don't work. At all, which is also just nail on the head. The, the best part is like he enjoys most of it. Yes. And <laughs> Debbie and Christopher Lloyd. Yeah, <laughs> Debbie manipulates the uh, Gomez or Gomez and Morticia to send the kids away to summer camp. So Pugsley and Wednesday are at this ultra bright, very uppity, rich, white summer camp. Is that where they do the Thanksgiving play? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Which and it's also it's coming a, back. Christine Buriansky is like the main lady, and it's the guy from Ghostbusters 2 is the main guy who run the camp. So everything at the camp 
is all just quotes. And the villain at the camp, the blonde girl, is the same blonde girl from the first one who was selling the Girl Scout cookies. Okay. She's like, I will buy Deep dive. I'll buy one of your boxes or one of, of cups of lemonade if you'll buy one of my delicious boxes of Girl Scout cookies. And what what's like, are they made from real Girl Scouts? She's pulling a wagon, right? Yeah. Girl Scout cookies. It's, it's like, co- it's, it's coming back. Is your lemonade only made from real lemons? I only drink that much. Oh, blah, blah, blah. It's like, buy one of my boxes of delicious Girl Scout cookies. Are they made from real Girl Scouts? <laughs> <laughs> the second movie was so good. It had all these quick puns. And she's like, uh, oh, no, this is the worst news. Uncle Fester's getting married. To who? Our nanny. Oh, my God. I'll kill myself. I mean, the help. Like, it's so fun. Oh, God, all of it's is so it, funny. Now, I'm, I think I'm fusing the first and the second. Is the second one where they get kicked out? Of the house no, that's the first the one. That's the first one. When that's they... with the Girl Scout cookies. Yes. And, okay. And then, so the blonde girl what, had to re-audition to get the part of the Amanda Becker for the second movie, which I think is both awful and also hilarious. Go her for doing it again. Yeah. You know, yeah. like she's like, I did it. I did it once. I did it again. And uh, th- yeah, it's just all. Is that your swimsuit? Is that your overbite? Like. <laughs> 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 I'll play the victim all your life. Like all of the just like dry, quick snaps. And like me and Jason will joke like because she goes, they go to try and get Fester out of the mansion that Debbie has bought for them. And it's got this all garish decor and they come in and Morticia's like, you've enslaved him. You've put him under a strange sexual spell. All that I can't forgive. But Debbie, what? Pastels. <laughs> Get out of my house. Also, Carol Kane was cast to play Mama because the original one had died at that point. Carol Kane was younger than Morticia. That happens a lot. Whoa! Yeah. You would not guess that guessing by the makeup, though. And just by her, her, all of her, like little like things. <laughs> it's like, do you believe that when a new when a baby is born, one of the older children have to die? Yes. Well, that's just not true. <sighs> not anymore. <laughs> it's just like all of the little lines are make me laugh every time. I can watch that movie on repeat. It does not matter. As a kid, I did. Just so much fun, so much joy. Lots of jokes. Good for my childhood. Did you see that they're making a Wednesday Adams show? What's I, it on Netflix? Yeah. Maybe? Is it based on the cartoons that are out right now? Like the I cartoon really movies? Hope not. I think it's a live action. Yeah. So, I was actually, I, I thought the cartoon I, ones were pretty good. I thought I the cartoon ones were garbage. I think <laughs> that's fine. I think it's about, I think it's about adult Wednesday. So there was that a YouTube. Fun. And there, I know Christina Ricci is attached. There was a YouTube that was like uh, adult Wednesday Adams, and it was like, they were kind of funny. And then, yeah, Christina Ricci is oh, great. I love her. Um. So if she does like Adult Wednesday Adams, that'd be funny just to see where that all goes. Because especially in like the Broadway play and in other stuff, it's all about Wednesday like becoming a woman and wanting to like date and do all that stuff. Which yeah. I mean, that was the other thing in the second one. She was like romantically attached to Joel Blicker, the guy who was allergic to everything and like uh, you know, just very neurotic and whatever. And all of that was Again, like no part. I don't think any part of this movie was bad. Like yeah. all of it was funny. Again, I haven't seen it in a while, but I remember growing up and loving the Adams Family movies. They're they're funny. 
yeah, they're a bit dark, but the humor mixed in with the dark is so good, especially with what you've already touched on. All the one-liners, all the quips and everything. I thought the Addams Family movies were great. Yeah, and rest in peace, uh, Raul Julia, because oh. I, he did this movie and he did, um, I think he filmed Street Fighter almost either right before or right after, and then he died of, I think it was um, stomach cancer or something. So it was just kind of sad. Yeah. But... Yeah, man. Didn't he have stomach cancer while he was filming? Yes. Like, pretty bad, too. Yeah, he was suffering through it. Um, and But, I mean, yeah, you wouldn't tell because his, like, over-the-top performance and everything he did was just so good. Yeah, great actor. Again, none of none of that movie is bad. Great actor. No, I mean, even he, right now, well, like, he you can in? see it in memes. Like, even if you've never seen the movie, you've seen memes of the of that movie. Yeah. The uh, her, Debbie at the end just going through why she killed everyone for like the trivial reason was also very serial mom. It's like my husband, the surgeon. It's like, hey, hey, Debbie, I'm sorry I have to miss dinner. The Pope had a cold and just shows her taking an axe. <laughs> an axe, it takes me back. And then like, <laughs> sorry, Debbie, no Mercedes this year. We need to set an example. Yeah, set this. It shows her like running him down with her car. So good. That's all I've got. Good choice. I know. Frankie, what do you have? (laughs) Choice. All right. So I had L. This is the childhood category. Am I right? It is. Yes. All right. So my childhood movie, it's around the same time. So I think we're showing our age a little bit. So I went with The Lion King. And I'm not talking about that 2018 Lion King with Beyonce. Nah, right. We're talking about the cartoon one. Do not get the the beehive on us, please. (laughs) We need fans for it. Beyonce doesn't care about us. Beyonce will care one day. (laughs) One day she will. But no, I mean, The Lion King, it's one of the like big Disney movies of that era. First, can you give us a quick synopsis of what The Lion King is about? Yeah, absolutely. So it's pretty much Hamlet animated. (laughs) Yep. So it's about Simba, this young little lion who is someday going to be king of the pride. His dad, Mufasa, is currently king and is teaching him the right ways of leading this kingdom with animals. And, and Simba's a bratty little bitch. And, you know, he's a kid. And he literally whatnot, sings and he- a five minute song about how he can't wait for his father to be dead. And then the next scene, his father dies. I think as a kid, he didn't realize that to be king, your dad needed to be gone. He just couldn't wait to be king. And Scar made it happen. And Scar is the villain. <laughs> yeah. So Scar is the villain who is also the uncle. And what a what an on the nose name that is. So Scar. There's actually a thing on the Internet that describes how what his name actually was in the Swahili and how it doesn't translate to Scar. It was like trash. It was garbage. Or garbage. Sure. So yeah. they literally they, they named Mufasa, their sons King and Garbage. Yeah, Mufasa <laughs> was a name for King. So it was King and Garbage. So he was <laughs> from the get-go. He was probably like, thank God I got this Scar so people can't call around me trash anymore. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Honestly, I think for me, a standout performance from that movie, other than Nathan Lane, is Jeremy Irons as Scar. I mean, the voice was so good and down to earth. We talked about it before. The villain song for him, Be Prepared, is all about Nazism, and it's very dark and it's very... Yeah, I have a lot of good memories of this from my childhood. Yeah, I mean, it's, it was everywhere. The Yeah, the animation in this movie still holds up today. It's still fantastic. The music was absolutely fantastic. Like you already said, 
the casting of these characters was were so good. Nathan Lane, Matthew Broderick, Jeremy Irons, Darth Vader, James Earl Jones, James Earl Jones. Like it was a great, great cast, great movie. Again, it's basically Hamlet, but still the retelling of it with these animals. It was great. Yeah, yeah. And it was also compared to like the 1960s uh, Lion cartoon movie, which I think was like Kemba or something like that. Yeah, there's been issue. There's been copyright and stuff going back and forth between that. Which there's some there's some similarities. But let, me, let me let me let me clarify oh, wow. what Kemba and, Kemba and Simba. Let me clarify the whole like new Lion King. I was really excited about this one, but I think what it failed to do is it it did some really cool things by like making the lions look. Very realistic and live action. Yeah. But I think by doing that, you lose the character's ability to react to what is going on in the scene. Because uh, if you do like a scene by scene comparison to when Simba stumbles upon Mufasa after the whole stampede, you know, it's obviously really sad. It's really dramatic. But if you compare it, like, it's so realistic in the new one that you don't see the emotions run over the character of Simba at all. As compared to the animated version. So I think that's... They try to do something really cool. And I think visually it's it's fantastic. And we had great performers in that. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Jesus. We I didn't mean, even we, mention we've him. Got, other than Beyonce, who is a big star, we've got other comedians like Seth Rogen. And like their performance, as far as like Beyonce musically, and also Seth Rogen comically, it gets lost. In those, like, We're, let's let's not rehash why this that was a bad remake. <laughs> let's talk about why the first one was so good to our childhood. <laughs> I remember when this movie came out. I got it for my birthday when I got home from like first grade or first or second grade, and I remember watching like burning that tape out because of how much I watched it. I also was in chorus at the time because that's what little kids did, and we sang "I Just Can't Wait to Be King." So, question. What is the saddest moment of this movie? Oh, obviously when Mufasa dies. Is it? I think so. Whenever Simba comes across Mufasa, I think that's probably the saddest part. Why? Do you think there's one that's sadder than that? Okay, maybe I shouldn't have said saddest, but the part that makes you cry the most. That one, obviously. Oh, See, no, it's I when Simba makes love to his cousin, probably. Ew. Well, yeah. You freak. <laughs> love to bring incest into every goddamn conversation. Hey, inbreeding among, among animals is why there's genetic defects. I think, it, and this part gets me every single time, is when Sarabi, Mufa, no, not Mufasa, Simba's mom sees grown-up Simba for the first time at Pride Rock and realizes that it's Simba. Oh. And she just goes, Simba? <laughs> I wish it was a video podcast right now. You really need to see Kyle's face. And it just, again, the animation is spectacular. The look on her face and then Simba realizing, oh, this is my mom. And then embracing for the first time right before the final fight with Scar. I fucking lose it. Also, I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't understand the growth and development of from child to adult felines, but how much time was supposed to go by where they were like not like they never really explicitly say how much time has actually gone well it's just a few it's years just long enough for scar to destroy the pride lands and and screw with the ecosystem there's there's also like fan theories about how it wasn't scar that caused it it was just they were in a like 
a famine, like it wasn't raining and things like that. So it just made it look really dramatic. And they they, they blame. Can you stop backing up the bad guy? <laughs> but Jesus. but seriously, I mean, the question exists. Okay, so he was gone for like what a couple of years, and she was. And well, you see, you, I said famine. Dur- I meant drought. I during mean, you, yeah, during Hakuna, Hakuna Matata, Matata, you see him, and you, you see baby Matata. Simba, and then you see you know teenage Simba. He's got a scruffy goatee going on. Yeah, but what a, like a lion lives adult. like what twelve years. Why do you have to be like this? Because I'm hateful. <laughs> anyway, so it, I'm I'm done on my comments. No, I think I think that's a great pick. You know that was right up there with mine. Um, if I could have made it fit, I probably could have if I dug deep. But like, yeah, that's just a fantastic childhood memory, childhood movie for I'm pretty sure all of our audiences. Yeah. I'm yeah. So solid. Kyle, when we. <laughs> <laughs> is that the sound of the so, cousins? I didn't mean to do that one. That, that's what. Yeah, that's what happens when uh, Simba and Nala. Nala. God damn it! Can you stop with the incest? Me. Can again. they feel the love tonight? Oh, they did. Simba, help me! I'm stuck. <laughs> She I hate does everything. She does give very sexual eyes when he first tackles her. <laughs> very sexual. That's uh, that was our sex education back in the nineties. All right, so that's childhood <laughs> done. I'm gonna go ahead and roll us out of there. That's, Let's take a that, break. That's when we all hit puberty. Is when <laughs> we saw Nala's eyes. <laughs> Why? God damn, lady, what are you doing with those? Why are they like this? <laughs> I don't know. Hey, little mama, let me whisper in your ear. Ew! Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a break. We're going to take a break and we're going to come right back to Kyle's next letter of the day. Welcome back to No Films Given. Again, we each picked a random letter. We each picked a category. That's where we're at. So, the next category was picked by Curly. Yes. Yes. And it is vacation. So as a little reminder, my letter was P. So my vacation movie is honestly one of my favorite movies of all time. It almost made the list for our first episode, favorite movies. And the vacation movie I picked is Cabin in the Woods. Ooh. Good choice. For someone who isn't like ooky spooky. I know, I don't. But this movie just has... Well, first, the cinematographer was Peter Deming. That's how I incorporated the P, through the cinematography. Now, are you talking about the original, or they did also do a remake? No, the remake with Hemsworth and other people. Oh, you're talking about Cabin Cabin in the the Woods. woods. Sorry, I, for whatever reason, went to Cabin Fever. No, not Cabin Fever. Which, that's kind of what it plays off of, anyway. Well, it plays off of every Cabin in the Woods movie, but okay, I'm sorry, I'm being stupid. Yeah, Cabin in the Woods is a great movie. Yeah, so, and again, I don't like ooky spooky movies. Well, that one isn't. It's like kind of playing off the tropes. There's so much comedy in it, and all the murdering and death in it is just so... And it's got a lot of, Amplified, and it's so ridiculous. So, a quick synopsis... Five kids, whatever it was, or five stereotypes, five stereotypes. Again, in college, there's the jock, the stoner, the virgin, the slut. Sorry, but I'm pretty sure that's what they call. Well, no, what they called her the slut, the fool, the jock, the virgin and the. Nerd or the Uh, the student, the The student. student. And um, 
so they all go to this, this for uh, on vacation to this cabin in the woods. And they're all partying and everything. And they stumble into the basement. In the basement, there's all these knickknacks and memorabilia, whatever you want to call it. And whatever they touch with or interact with brings on some kind of demonic presence to the cabin. Or some type of entity. Entity. Because yeah, that's a better word. It's entity. a pr- prelude to them going to the cabin. You see, like, the people working in the office. And they're talking nondescriptly about this task that they have to do. And they yes. have to get it done by the end of the night. So what happens when they touch this artifact? It brings on this entity that tries to kill them. Long story short, these redneck hillbillies is the one they interact with, tries to kill them. But the whole point of it is they have to kill everybody but the virgin in order to save the world or else demons from hell are going to pop out. No, the the larger gods that basically are sleeping and slumbering if... All of if the like the basically the organization has to have them die and it's like blood or whatever feeds the large like the, gods. the elder gods to keep the earth live keep, keep them at, keep them at slumber yeah. so that they will not destroy Just, earth. It happens all over the world. There's the, all these different corporations that are doing it. Like I said, all over the world. And, and so long as one succeeds, on one. Yeah. so long as one succeeds, then everything is fine. But all of the other uh, countries organization are failing. I liked the grudge one that they just kept panning on to. It's like Japan almost had it, but they got fucked. And it yeah. shows like basically Samara from the ring floating and all these little girls are like chanting Singing in a circle. Kumbaya, holding and hands it like and stuff. destroys the ghost. I, I think this is one of those examples where I enjoyed that the movie was meta yeah. and it played on that meta level just right. Where it brought in all those references from all the horror genres, including those from overseas, like foreign Japanese films. And it just did it in a way that was really fun. And I liked how, like, no matter what they did, they were screwed, but they were kind of the they the decisions they made would choose their own fate. Yeah. But it also played on the stereotypes of all the uh, horror movies from like the 1980s oh, well, you all the see, way to like right to like you could today. see they go down underground eventually. You know, they break into the facility that's facilitating this whole thing. And you see all the different creatures that they could could have chosen. And, and like there's call- unicorns, there's killer ballerinas. The with, mermaids were hilarious. There's a mermaid. <laughs> and they call back to like a lot of like any horror movie you've ever seen. There's something in there. They're like flying demons. And then most like recognizably, there's basically an allusion to Hellraiser with yeah, like the is. puzzle. It's not a box. It's like a circle or whatever. And like the dude standing there has like saw blades sticking out of his face and yeah. stuff. So it's obviously like a Hellraiser callback, which is cool. And I like how the corporation is like running bets on who like it's a plot hot point and plot line where all of them are betting on okay who are they gonna pick who picked redneck hillbillies i did well you lost because it's actually redneck hillbilly zombies those were the ones that they picked and the guy's like man man, he was so close to blowing that conch i just want to see a mermaid one time and then as the corporate is getting overrun by the loose things, he's like on the ground and he turns and looks and a mermaid's crawling towards futile. <laughs> and it doesn't look like Ariel. It looks like a small job of the hunt. It's like a kind of mermaid fish person with These a huge scary mermaid. Yeah. It is. It's, it, it's a very funny movie. There are spooky times where things jump out at you, you know, jump scares, but nothing psychological, nothing crazy like that, which is what I really don't like. But, and they're Man. using the pheromones to, like, make them all horny. Horny and shit, yeah. I just... I just laugh at this movie. I think it's so much fun. 
And I, I like Sigourney a, Weaver a, pops in at yeah. the end. Yeah. Yeah, she's one of the high council or whatever. She's like the, the head of it. of it. She's like, it needs to happen. We don't have to kill the virgins so long as everyone else dies. Yeah. And she's like, the fool. And looks at the dude. She's like, hey, this is weird. The, like the pot smoking. He idiot. ended up being my favorite character in that whole thing. Him with the coffee cup. Yeah, the absolutely. Coffee coffee mug bong. Bong. Just his appearance when he shows up in the station wagon before they go to the cabin and he's the whole station wagon is just smoked out. Yeah. Like He's just a walking... Uh, interpretation of uh, he's a cliche but like just a walking interpretation of shaggy from scooby-doo oh yeah for sure <laughs> mm-hmm. my favorite death in it and there's there's a lot but my f- absolute favorite death death is when chris hemsworth the hits jock, the wall thinks he can get away on his dirt bike so he goes to jump over this <laughs> canyon and it looks like he's gonna make it and then he just hits this invisible force field and just smushes and falls <laughs> to his smushes. It was so out of nowhere. It was so I remember funny. being in the theater and we're like, oh, okay, get away. And then, oh, he's going to make it. And then <laughs> he hits and like smears down smushes. It's bad because you know something is going to happen, but I don't think we anticipated some invisible wall I to pop just, out of nowhere. I was imagining he was just going to not make the yeah. jump and smash it. But then that, that invisible <laughs> wall and he just eats it it was the good thing about it was that everything on this movie was out of nowhere it was like you went expecting one thing of this movie and you like it was not at all and it was joss whedon right yeah or yeah joss whedon or jj abrams it was old uh josh whedon so i liked to whatever like the hillbillies at the gas station oh you're gonna go down there to the cabin but you don't and there he's like acting menacing and he's calling the corporation yeah. and they're like yo what are you doing he's like no right and he's like the guy at the gas character. station yeah the guy at the gas it made station. all the cliches fun yeah it did it was such a cliche movie it was it, a good movie it was it was so much fun and so this fit into vacation because they are on a vacation yeah, they go they go on a vacation to the woods yeah it turns out to be a bloody disgusting Whatever. I thoroughly approve of this uh, message. It was written by Whedon. Written by Joss Whedon. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so that's Cabin in the Woods. I actually, no, one more thing. It, if you didn't think that it could get even more outlandish with all these creatures and shit running around, the very end when it looks like Thor Ragnarok and one of the gods just comes out and just smashes the earth. Didn't expect that either. Oh, yeah. The giant hand just comes out and kills the two remaining and then yep. smushes the cabin. And then it just goes into like super intense metal music with the credits like cliche to a fucking T. Yeah. Joss Whedon's so good. He is. Except at, for Justice League. At something. I was about to say <laughs> yeah. He's good at something. Except for ruining Justice League. Was Joss Whedon the one who did um, Brightburn? No, that was um, that was uh, Glasses uh, Guys, Guardian of the Galaxy. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, oh, James Gunn. Thank you. Gunn, yeah. I was like, his name's on the tip of my tongue. I just got done watching Peacemaker not too long ago. So many J's. Mm. That's almost like it's the category for me. <laughs> so, Curly, what is your uh, what is your J vacation Se- movie? Segway. Okay, so yeah, my I used to, this is not a vacation movie, but I would watch this on vacation specifically, like. The summer after my senior year, I would travel uh, with my friends a lot and we would do all this stuff. And during road trips or for whatever reason, during summer vacation, we'd always put this movie on because it's one of my favorite movies. It works. It works. It works. I shoehorned the shit out of this. (laughs) Um, So the J is for the actress Jennifer Coolidge and the movie is Best in Show. Okay. Uh, We used to watch this movie so much and it's 
it's again, I'm a very big fan of dry, well-written humor. And this movie really made me like just how Jennifer Coolidge did stuff, which is why I was like, oh, Jay, yeah, I can finally talk about this. Best in show. If you don't know, it is a... a Makes me want a hot dog real bad. (laughs) (laughs) Don't quit your J-Dog. That wasn't the movie. Um, um, So this... She was in Click, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh... Oh, God. Um, my favorite part of White Lotus is Jennifer Coolidge. It's like, man, would you like a margarita? I don't know. It's got a lot of sugar. Okay. <laughs> um, so it's a Christopher Guest movie, uh, which is basically mockumentary style. And it yeah. op- it's about basically different couples who each have a specific dog and they're all traveling. It's not a vacation, but they're traveling to a dog show to compete. And it's all how these different cliques work. And all of them have issues in one way or another. And all of them are just like one dog or one owner. They're like the yuppies and they have like the manic depressive Weimariner. And then they have like Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara have like uh, a cookie and something. And uh, they have a little uh, Norwich Terrier. Then they're just trying to do their best. And Cookie has basically been a slut her whole life so everywhere they go someone just walks up cookie cookie google <laughs> yeah <laughs> malcolm yeah i've banged a lot of waitresses in my day but you're the only one i've done on a roller coaster <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's so bizarre um jennifer coolidge character she's married to an old man and, she, and like everyone talks about the quote she's like you know people say that i'm the gold digger but i have to push him away we both like soup and snow peas and the outdoors and talking and not talking. <laughs> anyway, um, and her, the person she's like bonded with through this is Jane Lynch, another Jay. Uh, Jane Lynch's character, who is her like border and dog trainer, who ends up, they end up being like lesbian lovers in it, which is great. I mean, their whole, it's like, what's good about this movie is the banter back and forth between the characters and how it all works. It's just, it's so good. And there's also like, I'm not going to say it's homophobic because it was definitely homo, like stereotyping, but there's like the gay couple with the Shih Tzu and they had the best lines in it. Okay. Packing, packing, packing. Okay. Counting those. I have six kimonos. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Seven. We're going to Philadelphia for 48 hours. Okay, eight. It's like, how many tea services don't do you think we're gonna have? Don't you think we're overpacking? <laughs> no. <laughs> like it's so ridiculous in just how they make each of these characters have like their own through line and how it all goes. And like the, you, you don't care about what happens in the dog show, but Eugene Levy's character ends up winning with the Norwich Terrier. And yeah. It's, I, it's I wish I had seen this movie and so that I could have more to say. But I will say Jennifer Coolidge is one of those actresses like when she's on the screen, something bizarre is going to happen, whether it's like like click because I was like the first thing that came to mind. Like she's always like this character that's bizarre, but you can't help but look at the screen when she's on, you know, like just she's the way such that she- a presence and uh, she's actually done serious stuff like she I mentioned in the movie Promising Young Woman. It is a great movie. She plays the mom in that. And you're like, yeah, I get this. I like this. Like because her like brand is she's just this large. She lives in New Orleans, by the way. She is a large, beautiful uh, what did they call them? Buxom blondes. And she's just like this over the top 
character and she talks like this and she's just like in everything she does she always plays kind of the like just she gets to be the outlandish person and she's so funny and now she's on uber eats commercials this um and the white lotus she is great in this movie and i haven't seen this in years but this movie has one of my favorite lines in it and i quote it all the time and it's the line is done by i believe it was michael mckean who plays stefan vanderhoof Mm -hmm. and somebody offers him a glass of water and he's like no i'm okay they're like, no, here, take the water. And he takes a sip of it and immediately spits it out. He goes, oh, I guess I must be full. And then just <laughs> walks away. <laughs> it's so stupid and so silly. But just picturing a man that has so much in him and he takes a sip and spits it out. Oh, I must be full. I f***ing <laughs> lost it when I saw that the first time. And I've done that before to people. Like, took a sip of water, I'll just be nowhere. <laughs> Spit it out and say it. I love it. Very good movie. Very good pick. I'm not going to say it reminds me of my childhood. It just, yeah, it's but vacation. It is, it is. Oh, yeah. Vacation. I'm sorry. Knock, knock. Um, so, <laughs> no, but favorite, very, very good pick. I, I love this movie. There. So the two gay, uh, the gay guys are checking into the hotel and they're at the counter. It's like, okay, um, I have you down for a queen. Just what are you suggesting? <laughs> How tall are you? Oh, I'm 6'4". Oh, 6'4". Yeah, I'm Scottish German. Oh, like Robert Duvall, Duvall and the Godfather. Brought worse than Shillelagh's paging Dr. Freud. <laughs> what are you from, like, Norland? <laughs> is this is this the movie in the mashup that got Catherine O'Hara to do Shit's Creek? Was there a relationship from this movie? So, uh, Catherine O'Hara and Eugene Levy. They've worked together a bunch, They right? worked together a bunch, so... They did Best in Show. They mm-hmm. did Waiting for Guffman, A Mighty Wind, For Your a Consideration. And um, they were in, I believe, The Groundlings is the troupe, like the improv comedy troupe that's okay. in Canada because uh, they're both Canadian. And they've been f- lifelong friends. So Ugh, in Canada, gross. Shut up. So in Davis, Ryan Reynolds and Rick Moranis. Yeah. So when. Dan Levy was writing Shit's Creek with Eugene Levy, he specifically was like, do you think Catherine would do this with us? And he called her. She was like, apparently was just like, well, what else am I going to do? Well, she was only supposed to do the pilot. Well, and then she loved the character so much. She's like, I guess I can do a show. She, uh, I mean, and we can go on a whole tangent about how Catherine Harris just created her job, but she would literally like, (laughs) she would just rewrite her script. So they would give her the (laughs) script and she would take specific words and just add random. Like she apparently was reading a book uh, of like weird old English dialects. So she would like read something and she would rewrite it to fit like with these long. And she's like, Oh, did he have another nighttime oopsie daisy? <laughs> what? Oh, we thought we beat his bouts of nocturnal enuresis long ago. <laughs> and I was like, bedwetting. <laughs> like she would just rewrite her shit. That's why she's so good. And she fold was good in this one too. <laughs> she, her just ca- fold it. it. You just folded it. No, uh, Catherine O'Hara in this movie was just great too, because yeah. you don't see her as like, like, she's obviously just kind of, like, a little trashy because they're more from, like, the Midwest or from Florida, I think. And they're just kind of like the, oh, we're doing everything fine. And then you just find out that she's been, like, 
before she met Eugene Levy's character and settled down, she was just a hoe. And you're a <laughs> cookie Googleman. Oh, Malcolm. Yeah. Oh, oh, Malcolm. Yeah, you don't forget the best baby. No, you certainly don't. As they're talking in front of Eugene Levy. It's so gross, but sounds it's so like, good. Sounds like Nala. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Moving right along from that. Frankie, what do you have for your vacation pick? What's, right. your, what's your letter again? I had L. All right, so for my vacation pick, one of you guys are going to like it. One of you guys are going to hate it. Why did you look at me when you said that? Because you don't because know my, you're you don't know my life. Because you the one that hates it. All right, so I picked this because this was actually on a billboard when I took a family vacation uh, with my family, I guess that goes without saying. Idiot. We went to... <laughs> you went to... Which one is the drums? We went to... Uh... I'll wait. The bottom right corner. Oh, okay. That's what I've been looking for the whole time. No, so we went to Universal Studios, and on a billboard, there was Will Ferrell. Ugh, okay. And there was a dinosaur. <laughs> so you finally <laughs> managed to so shoehorn in have Land of the Lost. Shoehorned in uh-huh. Land of the Lost, one of the most underappreciated Will, William Ferrell. I mean, really fancy. Will Ferrell comedies, I think. I love the pick and I hate it because I'd rather do a deep dive. <laughs> like we I, could, I know choice. we have a rule of not coming back, but we could, we could, we could. Uh, we could we need to do back. just a deep dive episode of Doctor Strange. Can we please? <laughs> yeah, I'm down. We'll, I mean, if we go we see can, it, this we weekend. can all go see it together. I have a babysitter, so um, do you? Hell yeah, baby, we're going. Yeah, thank you, uh, Tara. Let me know what time and I'll see if I can make it work. I agree. One of the not only most underrated Will Ferrell movies, one of the most underrated comedies. So underrated, I've never seen it. Let me me say this. Okay, it is not a good movie, but it is... Freaking hilarious. <laughs> you, know what, you know my, what you're getting into. I've taken my headset off because I have never seen this movie, so I'm just going to sit back and let the trolls play. <laughs> well, that's what I did for the last movie. I didn't know what was happening. <laughs> I was over here eating popcorn. But uh, no, I mean, obviously it plays, if, you, if you're familiar with Land of the Lost, it was an, an older TV show, and it takes the TV show and pretty much it parodies it with Will Ferrell, uh, Danny McBride. Thank you, Danny McBride, and this British actress. What's her name, Kyle? You're the old looker-upper. Anna Friel. Yeah, that's it. Anna Friel. F-R-I-E-L. Friel? I will say, this is a movie that I have seen multiple times, because it's one of those movies that I've put on. Go ahead. Speaking of the cast, because we can't go past this, is the guy who plays Chaka, which is the little monkey friend that they find in the land, is Jorma Takun, who is one of the members of the Lonely Island, <laughs> which I fucking love because he is so funny as Chaka, how he just tries to beat up Will Ferrell the entire fucking movie. It's so good. So I guess if you've never seen this movie, it's a comedy that's based on this old show, Land of the Lost, where Will Ferrell's character is a scientist and he believes that time travel is possible. And he's experimenting with these little this element's called tachyons and he's created this device that can manipulate tachyons. But instead of moving through time, he kind of moves through space. So he's kind of going through these different dimensions and he finds kind of like the back rooms of the world where all these things have kind of gotten lost. So like there's dinosaurs there, there's these lost civilizations. It's just 
everything crazy that you can think about from interdimensional travel to time travel is there, but he's there with like the most ridiculous people. Like Danny McBride is there only because like where he thought the strongest tachyon reading was going to be was somewhere in the desert. And Danny McBride runs this ridiculous little, tour. little theme park sort of thing. There's one ride there and where there's he rides a store. people through like sewage water yeah. through like his little boat. So it's like a makeshift Willy Wonka boat ride. And then from there, his tachyon meter actually is what activates the tachyons, and they get to go travel through time and dimension. But it's just, it's so ridiculous, and even the dinosaurs aren't really scary in this, because, like, the dinosaur has a personality of its own, like, it's its its own, it's its own character. It has the brain the size of a walnut. Which it's pissed a about. A walnut. Which it's pissed about. He keeps saying that, Will Ferrell, in the movie, and then the dinosaur finally, like, comes to their cave... And puts a walnut at their front door to the cave, whatever. And the walnut is fucking massive. And the dog and the dinosaur just or the T-Rex just looks at him like, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So two scenes for me that I think really stand out. Uh, the first scene. Wait, where was I? I don't know. Hang on. Hang on. I, I got this one. It was two scenes. I had them on my brain. The first scene that is memorable is the first scene of the movie. No, no, no. Okay, here we go. No, okay. One of my favorite scenes that is my two memorable for this movie is one where Will Ferrell has a ukulele for no reason, <laughs> and he's doing the theme song from the old show, and this mosquito is on his back just draining his blood. It's a giant mosquito, by the way. So, like, he's turning white as he's doing the song, and, like, the other cast sees it. The land of, the land of, and then he falls over. <laughs> And then I guess I have something about singing because my second scene that I think of is when they find that giant crystal in the middle of like the lizard people world. They touch it and it vibrates them. And then so they start. Slee stacks. So the slee stacks. So they start singing Cher. Yeah. I believe in life after love after love. And then. <laughs> Everything I'm hearing about this makes me it's, not want to watch this movie. Oh, no. No, you, you have to watch this movie. I Listen, will watch this movie for y'all. If Kyle <laughs> watches to, like a good horror movie, I will watch this. You need to have a few drinks because done. this done. <laughs> this was less. a this was a movie that um is definitely a stoner movie. That that I've never done that because you're because uh, I can't. I'm not allowed to for reasons. But it's a stoner movie that I used to watch all the time years ago. Okay, good. good and there is there is just funny, funny line one liners. The, the the movie opens up, and this just shows you where this where this goes. The movie opens up, and Will Ferrell's character is being interviewed by Matt Lauer. <laughs> okay. Because he has a new book out talking about space and time and tachyons and stuff. And Matt Lauer starts calling him out on his shit because it's all made up science, obviously, for the movie. That ends up being true, but it's all made up science. And then Will Ferrell just beats the shit out of Matt Lauer. <laughs> okay. Like, it is. Me and my brother, we used to quote this movie all the time. There's, again, there's so many one-liners. There's so many good parts of this. There's one part where, again, um, Chaka, he's a, he's a monkey, so he doesn't speak. And when they get to the lizard place, like Frankie was saying earlier, and the slee stacks, and they get to the slee stacks, he's going, like pointing towards the slee stack. And they've been there for a few days. And Danny McBride was going, Are you saying chorizo taco? Because uh, I'm fucking hungry right now. Like, better than that. But it's definitely we used a to stoner call, humor. Like, we used to, me and my brother, when we would get hungry, he's like, 
are you saying chorizo taco right now? Because I'm really hungry right now. Like, funny in lines. You got to watch it in context. I'm not doing it justice. I'm not a comedian. Oh, then there's the scene where Will Ferrell douses himself in dinosaur In dinosaur piece. <laughs> Because it won't just attract them from it the won't other dinosaurs. dinosaurs, and then he puts it he puts it in his eyes, and he's like, "Oh, that really stinks!" And like, wait, maybe That's- I need to adjust some so that it gets throughout my system. And he drinks some of it. It's, it's a five minute bit that goes on way too long, and then okay. never trust a guy in a tunic. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's uh, a I, silly so fucking Will sell, Ferrell You're trying to sell it to me. It's, and it's, knowing full well that I'm not a Will Ferrell fan, maybe I'll give this a go. You need it's, to. It's Hot Rod in Ugh. the background of Jurassic Park is really what this movie is. Hot Rod. <laughs> it's, it's very funny. Okay. I, well, I know what it is. I enjoy it, but I know exactly what kind of movie it is. When Will Ferrell's trying to get over the dinosaur and he pulls right into his <laughs> mouth. <laughs> okay. Spoiler, so now spoilers, I know Will Ferrell may or may not make it. Serpentine in patterns. This movie. Serpentine patterns. <laughs> it's too much. I love it. I'm going to go watch that tonight. Very well. Anyway, Frankie phenomenal pick hey frankie phenomenal pick that was a pick <laughs> i figured one of you would like it one of you would hate it i, I, I kind of movie. assumed it all right when we come back we're gonna do another letter from kyle yeah another letter from kyle <laughs> <laughs> okay so welcome back to the third and final installment of this episode I'm glad you're with us yeah so again we each randomly chose a letter Oh, we did? We each randomly chose a category from our brains. We did. And this category was Frankie's choice. It was actor. Yeah. This is probably my most shoehorned one <laughs> that I made fit. I think it's a good fit. How's I think shoehorn. You pick an actor with your letter. <laughs> I didn't do I did not I did not do that though. Okay. I went a different route. I did a movie about an actor. Sort of. All right, well, it's not the unbearable weight of massive talent. No, which I'm excited to see that. But, again, my letter was P. So I went with the 1998-directed Peter Weir film, Mm. a Jim Carrey classic, The Truman Show. Okay. So you picked Jim Carrey? No, it was directed by Peter Weir. That's the P. But it's about an actor. Truman. Okay. You the see Truman how I got show. that there? I yeah. So an actor that doesn't know he's an actor. He doesn't, but he's still technically an actor on a show. Okay. I thought you guys would respect this one. No, it's 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 that deep. That is a fantastic movie. It's deep. So I'm like I'm okay with the I mean You you made it work. I made it I work. I love it. You shoved that jigsaw puzzle piece right in there. Right up the uh, circular part on the corner. <laughs> yep. So yeah, the Truman Show. In case if any of you don't know, it's about this man. His name is Truman Burbank. Yes, Truman Burbank. Oh, Truman Burbank. Yes, Truman Burbank. Okay. <laughs> I had to read it three times. Okay. Um, he is a character on this television show that's about his life. He does not know it, but everything around him is a movie set. And it's produced. Everything's produced. Everything is fake. Um, yeah, and it's a fantastic Jim Carrey movie. It's very beautifully done. 
the whole unfolding of the mystery for Truman really starts from the beginning. You know, I think the first thing that he realizes is weird is a like a movie spotlight falls out of the sky and lands next to him in the street as he's walking to work. And then he starts realizing that everything in his day to day is the same every single day. He says the same quote every day. Uh, good morning. And if I don't see you, good afternoon and good night. Good and afternoon, good evening, and good, good night. Good afternoon, good evening, and good, and good night. And then when he's walking to work, the same two people talk to him every day. And then when he's at work, the same thing happens. And he starts to figure out that there's these weird things going on in his life. He can never leave the island because he's afraid of water. But if he tries to leave the island by car, there's always a car accident. Or there's a forest fire and fire trucks are there blocking his way. I don't know. I just I thought this movie was excellent ever since the first time I saw it, ever since I watched it the other day. Jim Carrey is great in it. Yeah, he does do a bit of Jim Carrey comedy in it. But then also, he's very serious at times. It's a lot more grounded than like what Jim Carrey was known for doing. At exactly. The time, at the Jim, time, Jim Carrey was known for being like more more character. This was not yeah. uh, this was not like an outlandish character it was a real person who had his outlandish moments which everyone does i think i was part i remember we went to the theaters to see this and i think as a family we expected to see the jim carrey of like the mask and ace ventura and we didn't get that and i think it was one of those situations where we didn't see the trailer before so we just assumed based on past jim carrey performances that that was what we were going to get so it was kind of interesting to see a different side of Jim Carrey. I don't know if we walked away at that time liking that movie because of just just the expectations yeah. of, of getting an over actor performance at the time. But I think it really hit the nail on the head of reality TV. Yeah. And it this really, was this was at the big start of major reality you could even television say it, like show. it predated yeah. like reality TV. No, the real like world has been a going. Little bit. The real world was happening at that time. Oh. Yeah, but this really brought reality TV sort of into the forefront of what it is. Today. And after that, it kind of it continued to go on and maybe it peaked, you know, I mean, we still got reality TV shows going on right now that we'd like, like you mentioned Below Deck, the Jersey stuff. Shore. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I think it's a fantastic. Yeah, it's pick. a great cast with obviously Jim Carrey, Ed Harris, Laura Linney. Natasha McElhone, Noah Emmerich. Uh, that's really the top cast. Um, but they're all phenomenal actors. And just to see them, one of my favorite things in the movie is to see them switch from being part of the story to then them not being part of the story of them working to portray the story. You know, you see his best friend who is played by Noah Emmerich, uh, Marlon. He he will just be around all of a sudden. He'll get a call on his radio and be like, Truman's doing this. Truman's doing that. And he's like, all right, I'm on it. And then like he gets in his car and he grabs a six pack of beers like, oh, Truman, you're being crazy right now, dude. Let's go drink beers down by the river. And he'll be like, and this night would not complete be complete without Bud Light. And then he looks right at the camera and there's all this product placement and like a reality television show. Did they ever sort explain how long or it had been going on since he was born? Since he was born, there was actually they show a scene where there's a camera or they show, however, of him in the womb. So it it started from birth and then it goes in 
to how they sort of made his life go down a different path because he finds the one girl uh, played by Natasha McElhone, uh, Lauren, who, you know, he just sees who's an extra. But then he's like one of those, oh, love at first sights. But that wasn't what the story was supposed to be. So as he's going to talk to her, his wife that was set up, Meryl, played by Laura Linney, like bumps into him and, oh, I twisted my ankle. Thank you for catching me. And then now they're gone and then or they're going on on their journey. And then the Laura girl or Lauren comes in and like tries to interfere and is like, hey, this is all fake. This is all fake. Like you're on a TV show. I don't know. I like I liked all those aspects of outside people trying to help and they show that other cast members, extras and stuff at times have tried to like ruin the secret to let him know because there's this big movement outside of the dome of what are you doing to this man? This well, man is it, not living a real life. The implications of them controlling this man's life. That's kind of like at the heart of it is they are manipulating and doing everything. And like he does, he even have free will at that point. Yeah. And I, I think I specifically remember the last shots of the movie where he's like walking up the scaffolding on like the fake sky yeah. to the door. And he like does his like send off. Good afternoon. Good evening. And he leaves and it just leaves it like that's the end. And then it just goes to like, please stand by on the television. And yeah. Stuff like that. It was very like the movie was very well done and a great pick. Yeah. I didn't know you had something so deep. Yeah. You did it. You impressed him. You did it. <laughs> yeah, that was it's it's a movie I've always loved. It's a movie that I'll watch time and time again. It has heart. It has comedy. It has mystery. It's fun. What do you right. got, Curly? OK, so I literally just changed mine on the fly because <laughs> I picked Jim Carrey and I was going to do Ace Ventura. But we're not going to do that right now because I. So what letter did you have? J? I had J. And so this is about actor, right? I'm just reminding the audience. Yeah. So uh, he's a supporting <laughs> character in this film. It's Jeff Daniels. J. Also, the sister's name is Jennifer in this movie. I chose the 1998 Gary Ross directed Pleasantville. Oh, wow. Which is Ugh. one of those movies that not a lot of people like remember or think about, but it is one of my favorite movies. I absolutely love Pleasantville. It's such a like it's such a cool concept and the way they did it and the imagery was beautiful and the music choices were beautiful. I mean, it is so well shot and well done. All of the actors were perfectly cast. It's Tobey Maguire, Reese Witherspoon, Jeff Daniels, William H. Macy, Joan Allen, Paul Walker is in it. Marley Shelton plays like the love interest. The whole movie is basically this kid's obsessed with this old tiny 1950s show called Pleasantville. A TV repairman gives him a remote that puts him and his sister in the show as the main characters. The repairman won't let them out because he they offended him or something. So he's like, live your life and figure it out. And basically, they live in this world that everything is basically black and white. Black and white. And it's all very like old timey and no one really thinks for themselves or does artisticness or they all live in their archetype and when they start living outside of their archetype it starts changing pleasantville so basically the change that they have is resembled through color so 
Jennifer Reese Witherspoon diddles Paul Walker's character. And then he looks and he sees that a rose has turned red. And the mom masturbates in a bathtub and a tree outside their house lights on fire. (laughs) And basically, yeah, it then turns into it's like basically subtle racism, not not so subtle racism, because as the people are becoming like as they start embracing artisticness or sexuality or basically anything that's not of their core character and they're uh they're getting involved in whatever they change color and so all of the people that are in color are the villains and all the people that have maintained the pristine like pleasantville nature remain in black and white so it's kind of in that regard terrifying to the people that are there because they're just like I think Jeff Daniels' character, he just he wants to be an artist, so because he loves painting. And so he's then the, he's the owner of the the malt uh, shop. The malt shop. And then he starts painting on the windows and then paints a big mural for the mom and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, because right? he's in love with the the mom. And William H. May it's all about uh, two like embracing change. So like William H. Macy's character, you know, he comes home, where's my dinner? And like the mom is like left. She's gone. Because yeah. she's with Jeff Daniels. And he like doesn't understand what's happening because like his world is basically falling the apart. Show, the show was very leave it to beaverish. Yeah. It right? was like it's, it's a typical American family in the, the 40s, 50s. And 50s. It, it played 50s. up on the stereotypes of those oh, of the yeah. 50s. The mom is at home with the pearl necklace, vacuuming, making the giant meals. Meat, meatloaf is on the counter for when the husband gets home. Exactly. And so, yeah, I mean, it's just it's a really cool novel concept. And it's basically them like basic, like kind of coming of age in in a regard, because Toby McGuire's character doesn't understand why he's not turning into color and then he fights someone defending i don't know if it was defending his sister because they were or his his sister or his girlfriend like they're calling her a slut or something because they're in color or no it was his mom his mom was in color and walking down the street and all of like the preppy uppity boys are like going after her because she's in color and Tommy Wire like defends her and is like aggressive, and then he turns into color immediately. So it's like because he was kind of like a wimpy, like meek person, and he, that's what happened. And then Reese Witherspoon's character, because the way the rest of the people were turning colors because they were like diddling or doing something, she like stays home and reads, and then she turns into color that way. Yeah, definitely coming of age because Toby was stuck in wanting this perfect world yeah. because he was obsessed with the show and it was what, like a 24-hour marathon? He's like, this is what I'm doing for the night. I'm just going to watch Pleasantville. Where Reese was going out and partying she was, and stuff. Or she was trying to have her boyfriend come over and yeah. that's why she was trying to like get him to sh- turn the TV to like MTV or something. And uh, so pull, she's, Pulling a Kala, huh? So he... What? Nala. Nala, not Kala, you fuck. <laughs> why are we going back to this? <laughs> so like Toby needed to realize that there was more to life where Reese needed to realize that she did not need to be that sort of person to make herself fulfilled. Right. And the end of the movie, you know, everything turns to color and the roads out of Pleasantville start working so they can actually like leave the town. The wife and the and William H. Macy, like they part ways. They part ways because she like I think it was she's sitting on a bus and it's William H. Macy's character and then turns to her and turns back and it's Jeff Daniels' character. The daughter, like or Jennifer 
Um, the mom like packs her a lunch and she gets on a bus to go to college, which she wasn't going to be able to do in the real world. So Reese Witherspoon's character stays in like the fictional world, which a very like, oh, how does that rationally happen or how does that happen at all? And then Tommy McGuire's character like goes back to the real world and his mom is like depressed because she came home from a bad date. I think if, I don't know if that actress is Tony Collette. But like, doesn't this end just no, like it's Jane? Ke- oh, it's Jane Kaczmarek from Mal- Mal- Malcolm in the Middle. She's Toby <laughs> yes. uh, McGuire's mom, <laughs> and she's also a J. She's just like uh, sitting there, and he like comforts her and helps her, whatever. He's a lot more like invested in reality, in family, and everything. Doesn't this end quite like the Truman Show? Like when he gets out of the show, it says, "Please stand by." Like the show has ended almost. Yeah, the show is basically ended, but it's him back in the role and he's kind of made peace and he's just like, yeah, mom, it's yeah. it's OK. It's good. Uh, Fiona Apple, I think, sings uh, Across the Universe. And that's like the last song in it when like everyone in Pleasantville is kind of like figuring out and going their own way and doing their own thing. They because they don't have to fit with the regular archetype. I don't know. It's one of those movies that I watch and I'm always really happy when I watch it. It's yeah. also it's like lots of range of emotions and very cinematically beautiful. Have you ever seen it, Frankie? Yeah, it's because cool, you've been real quiet. Well, it's uh, I've been so quiet because it has been a long time. Like I was a kid when I saw this movie. So like the only thing I remember is Jeff Daniels and Toby McGuire being in this and then people trying to find ways to make themselves colorful in the yeah. world. But that's really all I remember. I don't really remember a plot or anything like that. So Yeah, and then they're like at, there's a big court case because it's all about like like, oh, this is an abomination or they're because they're trying to they ban colors and they ban all that and they arrest all of like basically like they arrest Toby McGuire and Jeff Daniels because they paint that like crazy like mural. Mur- it's a yeah. there's nudity on it. It's bright colors, so using the band colors. So they're trying to do that, and then Toby McGuire baits the villain guy. I can't remember the actor's name into being like stop being so pleasant, basically, and they get him to be angry, and he like turns color in, in real time in court. In court, in court, he does. Yeah, and then the whole city basically like very let's kill, go at that point. Very to kill a mockingbird vibes. Yeah. from that part. Yeah, it's just it's this is one of those movies that when I used to have cable, like if it was on, no matter what point it was on, I'm I'm watching the rest of it. Yeah, it was for sure. Just a good movie, and it's like. It's one of those that you do not think about. So when it's time to think about it, you're like, oh, okay. Which is why, like, you were talking about the Truman Show, and I was just like, well, fuck, I need to think of another movie. Oh, Pleasantville. Kind of the yeah. same topic. And I could shoehorn it in with the J. Nice. Cool. Frankie, what you got? All right, so... Is it deep and heartfelt and moving no, with a premise? No? Mine is okay. not as deep as heartfelt as your guys's. No, his and letter I- is L. So he's going to do lions and talk about Nala some more. <laughs> liar, liar. No, he's a new. No, oh, no it's it has so to be an actor. It's an actor. So what I did is I went with. Uh, Let's see Le- if we can guess it. Leslie Nielsen. Oh, please tell me it's either uh, Airplane, The Naked Gun. I was thinking about a lot a of vampire. stuff because that's really like later on, like Leslie Nielsen was known for being a comedic actor. But like when he started off in his early career, he was more of a dramatic actor. But I think what I settled on was going with Naked Gun. Which is such a good movie. Even the sequels, which were problematic, were delicious. Oh, yeah. It's, uh... Leslie Nielsen's one of those actors, I think, is... He was appreciated at the time, but I think now he's kind of underappreciated. Because he's one of those people that he 
says things dramatically, but he says them in a way that you know is funny. And, like, he was able to find his niche in that, and that's what made him so popular. That's why, like, they made Airplane. Or, like, he really got that style from Airplane. He found his niche in that movie. And they made, like, a trilogy of Naked Gun movies based on that. And then more recently, he was he made his way into the scary movies. Like, he played the president and all that stuff, which... <laughs> We which was we not good. We, we do not need to talk about anything scary movie past number two. <laughs> which was a little bit more goofy, you know, like he knew like it was more goofy what, what and What was spoofy, it, the third but, one where the aliens are there and he puts the, they put the finger in his mouth. It's like, that's where we pee from. <laughs> so the third he, one, the old It definitely was got a little part. bit more stoner humor later on. But if you watch those Naked Gun movies, especially the first one and the second one, the third one's just kind of a little bit more goofy. But I, I like all of them. The comedy is on point, I think. And I think Leslie Nielsen's style of delivery and just being the serious person who says these ridiculous things with just the utmost drama, dramaticism. That's not a word. Yeah, no, he has that like monotone, very like very straight to the point, very like direct. But it's in that way, in that tone that you know it's a joke. Yeah. So it's yeah. fun. It's fun to see him in those roles. And then I know I'm hitting a lot of Leslie Nielsen's movies. It's just because I'm a big fan. Is like if you watch like uh, not Tales from the Crypt, but if you watch what's the movie where they tell all the different serial tales? It's not Tales from the Crypt. It's uh, um the scary ones. Uh, Creep Show. Oh yeah, Creep Show. So in Creep Show, he plays a bad guy. And he kind of shows a little bit more of like what his true style was as an actor before he really got into comedy. But I'm kind of all over the place with Leslie Nielsen, so I guess I'll bring it back what? to Naked Gun. Naked Gun, <laughs> like, well, first of all, we had what, like, who was the psychic actor? O.J. Simpson. O.J. Simpson <laughs> was in. He was there for all three. He was there. Uh, he existed. Um, I liked that it was making fun of like crime movies at the time. Because there, like, there was a time when it was like all of these movies were like crime and sleuth things, and I liked it, like, just like Mel Gibson, just like are all of um, oh my God, why is my brain not working? Leslie Nielsen's movies. We've had they're, some drinks, people. They're We've had all, some drinks. They're all in that vein of like making fun of something at its point in time, and I think that's why the Naked Gun movies worked. Hot Shots making fun of sports movies yeah. like like all of those movies had their place in time and Leslie Nielsen like hit all of them in that move moment of in that moment that they were big he would yeah. do a spoof and like call it good and move on airplane disaster movies like yeah I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I can't remember. What was the vampire movie he did? Oh Dracula dead and loving it. dead which and was loving a Mel Brooks it. movie. Um, I said this earlier with one of our movies i can't remember but one of my favorite lines oh it was best in show one of my favorite lines from a movie also comes from this movie and it's so stupid and so silly again but there's a point where uh the woman he's talking to is up on a ladder <laughs> and you only see half her body she's in a dress <laughs> and leslie nielsen just looks up and goes nice beaver 
And then she climbs down a ladder with a beaver in her hands. Like, that's the kind of comedy that I loved. It from was him. on the nose. It was ridiculous, but he delivered it with such seriousness that it made it work. It made know? it so funny because, like you said, with, with his background and drama and stuff, the way he delivered lines in all of his movies were just so spot on. Yeah. Yep. I remember seeing him like he guessed he was a host of SNL one time and he talked about that. Like he started off as an actor to be a drama actor. He didn't think he had any comedic chops at all. And then there he is finding himself as like one of the top comedians of the 80s and the late 70s. It's it's the delivery. Yeah, that's that's where he gets it. Yeah, it was that dry, dramatic delivery. Good luck. We're all counting on you. But that's all I got. That was was Leslie Nielsen. Thank you very much. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. Hey, I'm happy. I'm happy with all this. Yeah, I thought those were all solid picks. I had a lot of fun. Um, So, uh, listeners, stay tuned for lightning round questions. Oh, yeah. I have to make one up. Yeah. So welcome to the lightning round question. This is where we ask each other questions that we have not discussed earlier. And you just got to answer off the top of your tongue head. So (laughs) obviously I did a really weird topic. We each picked random letters and then we each pick categories. What I want to know is what letter would you have picked to fit your category? I'll give you an example. My category was childhood. I wanted C so bad because I wanted to talk about the movie Captain Ron. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's one of my absolute favorite movies of all time. It was actually, and I asked Frankie about this a while ago, if he had a sick day movie. And he goes, no, I don't really know what you're talking about. This is the movie that any time as a kid that I stayed home sick from school... This is the movie I'm watching. It made me feel better. It made me feel comforted. It made me feel warm. Anytime I was sick, I was putting Captain Ron on. I still watch it to this day when I'm not feeling so well. Have the DVD, have the Blu-ray. I believe it's on Hulu right now. It It was a movie from my childhood that just, above anything else, besides maybe Big Daddy, that I watched the most. So what is a movie... Curly my category vacation that fits the letter J that does not fit the letter J that I wish I could. Oh, yes, that does not fit the letter J. Sorry. Okay, so we already talked about it, which is why it wouldn't work. But like I would have picked Christmas vacation with a C or I could have used a yeah C for Chevy Chase. I could have used B for Beverly D'Angelo. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I could have found a way to shoehorn it in. Yeah. Like. I, but we already talked about it. Because that's fine. That's like, during I, Christmas, I have to watch Christmas Vacation. And during Christmas Vacation, like when I would be home from school and whatever, it was always like my go-to pick. So if I had C, that would have been very easy to do for vacation. For this vacation, I had to think of like, okay, what like what did I do during? Or if I had done B, I could have used Brave Little Toaster because like when I would go to Canada, we'd have road trips and shit. And I explicitly remember like watching the Brave Little Toaster when I was in Canada as a kid. Don't fucking flick you off. Okay. <laughs> You'll find out why I flicked you off next episode. 
All oh, right. nice. Okay. All right, Frankie, what letter would you have chosen to pick the perfect movie from uh, actor? I guess, uh, okay, for actor. Letter for actor. I don't know, because I just kind of went with, there was nothing that I was like, man, I hope I get this. Yeah. It was like, let's see what I can do. You know, more of an improv mind, I guess. Let's, let's see what I can do with what yeah. I'm given. But I don't know. I guess I could just pick an actor that maybe would be fun to talk about. Uh, uh, I don't know. Polly Shore, I guess. <laughs> bio, do some bio, biodome. Bio oh my it's god! The, it's the leading tower of cheese. <laughs> that movie specifically makes me think of that fucking stupid song that they do whenever it's like, whenever they're building the party or do like retrofitting the dome. You know, like that yeah. song that plays that I cannot remember. We will do a deep dive on biodome one time because. We should just do a whole episode on Polly sure. Shore. I think I th- we should talk about how Polly Shore won a Razzie for the worst actor of the decade of the nineties, which was <laughs> plus his art. <laughs> I mean, he is a he is an actor of his time. He's you know, the, a comedian the, of his time. Hey, he, he is, is the rich. He is rich, and I am not. Absolutely, so, uh, absolutely. All of my so, opinions, negative or otherwise, he could just say, "Hey, f- you," and slap me in the face with a wad of cash, and I'd say. You are right. I'm sure the money that he made from a goofy movie alone is more money. Than is he? <laughs> is he still rich though? I don't know. Probably. I mean, uh, he seems like the kind of actor that did not have great finances. Yeah, but royalties and everything else. Because at that point, you have a financial manager that does like squirrel away some stuff. I mean, we're not going to talk about um, Nick Cage <laughs> in that regard, but but um, <laughs> good pick. Polish yeah, so, so yeah, good. so, uh, Polly Shore, there we go. Somebody fun to talk about. I'll go with that one. So, you wanted to get the P so you could talk about Polly Shore. Full circle back to Nala, you freak. <laughs> oh my god. Wait, what? What? P for Polly. Put <laughs> Have you. <laughs> tangent but have you seen that like thing it's an interview and the guy like the girl's like asking this dude something hey what do you think about so and so oh well i think so and so and f- her right in the pussy. yes <laughs> it's, the, it's the news uh a lady is doing yes. something over the news and the guy walks right behind f- right in the no she's actually talking to him and he is standing there and he answers like half her question and f- her right in the while leaves there's gotta be there's gotta be a few out there like that because I think that became like a, a meme thing. It did. Because didn't Jemias Winston do that? He was a quarterback for a football team and when he was in college he like stole a bunch of crab legs or something <laughs> stood on the he stood on the table God. in his uh in his cafeteria and just goes <laughs> right in the pussy and threw the crab legs everywhere. So all the editing that, that Frankie's true. gonna have to do based on this <laughs> right in the pussy. It's a lot of dolphin noises. <laughs> Alright, Curly. Lightning round. Let's finish uh, her. Um, okay. Gobbledy goobity goobity goobity. If uh okay, based on your um what movie from your childhood you probably not have seen at a young age. <laughs> Easy. Um, I am gonna go out and say uh species. <laughs> With Natasha Hemstridge, because I explicitly remember being seeing it, like, my parents rented it, and we never had, like, restrictions in my household. I think the only show I wasn't allowed to watch was Beavis and Butthead, and even then, we still found a way around it, and my mom made us stop American Pie halfway through, but then my dad let me watch it the next day. So, I think 
like the movie that I probably should not have seen at a young age was Species, only because like the movie is literally all about fucking, and I was probably eight between eight and ten years old, and it's it's like a sci-fi horror. It's based off of I think a comic book or something, and it's all junk science and whatever. But literally, it's just Natasha Henshin, who is a babe, just go around trying to bang to get you know preggers. What? You know what? Good for you, lady. Here's the thing. <laughs> it's kind of funny why I died laughing. Is I think I was with my grandmother and we'd watch like Alien or Aliens and we were like, you know what, let's watch another Alien movie. So we ended up, that was my introduction into Species was sitting there watching this movie with my grandmother. We did not finish it, obviously, because of the content. We were just like, oh. <laughs> oh. I think yeah. I was like seven or eight and I was like, oh my God. Yeah. yeah, the second one is also much more graphic and bleh, but anyway, that's my uh, pick. What about you, Frankie? What's your movie you shouldn't have watched as a child? <laughs> so mine was, and this was a movie that I actually asked for for Christmas, and it was like the second grade. And to this day, my mom's like, I can't believe we bought that movie for you. But it was Child's Play. I really wanted Child's Play. I wanted Chucky for Christmas. What a good movie, though. And it was such a great movie. And I don't regret asking for it for Christmas. And I got it. And that was the movie that I watched Christmas morning. Probably should have been watching this killer doll. It didn't scare me. Did you watch the TV show? Yes. I yeah. lo- that's a good TV show. If you need something to binge, go watch child's play because they did it justice it's a continuation of the movies not the remake but a continuation of the good movies they all the cameos you want all of the chuckyisms all of the good shit i was talking with somebody the other day about this and it, it would include the remake but i would love to see a brad dorif chucky hang out and interact with a mark hamill chucky that would be an interesting concept but what about you? What movie should you not have watched as a child? All right, so I'm a little embarrassed. Bordello of Blood. <laughs> no, I'm a little embarrassed <laughs> about the movie about this. Um, Demon Knight. No, stop. Okay, Two Girls One Cup. <laughs> <laughs> Kids in a Sandbox. One Man One Jar. I don't know what all these things are. Yes, you do. Don't I know Two Girls lie. One Cup. Okay. Um, Holding for Talent. <laughs> no, I'm trying to pick which one. I have three that I'm trying to decide. Okay. Holding for talent. I know. I, this is this is hard because I have three different ways of going. Okay. I'll, I'll go with my first thought. So I told you guys during my least favorite um, movies, one of them was Paranormal Activity. Scared the shit out of me. No, you said it was the Poughkeepsie Oh, the Poughkeepsie tapes. tapes. Yep, you're right. The reason why that scared the shit out of me, because there's the one scene... Right, when he's, like, jangly walking. When he's crab crawling. No. Nope, 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 nope. But this is where this stems from. Okay. Is when I was, like, 14 years old, which isn't really a kid, but anyway, I started watching The Ring. Okay. And I think that's where my fear of horror movies actually started. But I never finished it. But that girl creepy crawling all around... That what that is what made me hate horror movies was that motion. Okay, and you, then I saw the Poughkeepsie tapes years later, and I think it awoke something in me, 
and then since then I don't watch horror. You, movies I think anymore. you missed the assignment a little bit. I'm saying what movie should you not have seen as a child, rightfully not have seen as a child, not one that like affected you that way. Like but what I movie shouldn't. should you have watched that your parents were probably like, oh no. I shouldn't, but the way I took it is I shouldn't have watched that because it ruined a whole genre of movies for me. Okay, well, I guess we're open to interpretation, but I still think you're wrong. The old puzzle piece again. You made you made it fit. You made it fit. I fucking hate this guy. Yeah, I know. Frankie. Frankie, what's your topic? Or what's your question? All right, so uh, I'm going to get real nerdy with this and real oh, simple. God. That's something new. If you could... <laughs> you know, I really So Kyle I was, was talking about movies awakening something in them. And there was this moment... Always where, back to Nala with this I, mother... Where I saw the cats. cats. And... Uh, then there's these furries, and I'm just kidding. No, no, no. <laughs> All right, so for real. My real question is, all right, going back to the 90s, if you could be any color Power Ranger that you wanted to be and it would fit that stereotype, which one do you think you, you mostly fit into? I feel uh, seen in a way that I'm not happy about because <laughs> you know which one they're like, what one do you think well, you see yourself maybe, in? Maybe we would yeah, pick the, the same Ranger. one. <laughs> No, I would... Keep going, Kyle. Not Kyle, Frankie. I would have picked the Blue Ranger for myself. One, I thought the color was really cool. But uh, two, he was always the one that was kind of the nerdy one, the one that tried to do well in school and all that stuff. And I think if I was a part of a social group at that time in high school, I probably would have best fit as the Blue Ranger. I, with out a doubt would have been Tommy the Green Ranger. So you've been the bad guy? A natural born leader who was originally the jerk off prick that tried to kill everybody but then became good and he was able to play a synthosword flute that was also a knife without a mouth hole that he could actually breathe into. You love playing that flute don't you buddy? (laughs) Coming from the Blue Ranger. Sorry. No. That was rude. So which one would I I would likely have been the Blue Ranger, you know. Gay. But <laughs> um but um I would love to have been the Green or White Ranger. Because like they kind of did their own thing. They played by their own rules. I'm I am a douche and I'm fully aware of that. So I could be the Green Ranger and just be villainous, but then like heart of gold in the end. But yeah, I'd probably be the blue one, the bullied one that just is there i figured i figured you would have picked rita (laughs) you said we had to pick the ranger oh i would be (laughs) rita repulsa coming out of that well i'm free (laughs) (laughs) i I would in a heartbeat make the shoe fit as we uh have been doing this whole podcast yes i look i like i would say i would probably have been the blue one but i would have loved to have been green love it all right, cool. Well, my topic next week, motherfucker. So uh, that that's it for this week's long-ass episode of No Films Given. I'm Curly. Kyle. Before we go, Aww. <laughs> I want to just thank everybody for being very patient with us. Because obviously our schedule has been crazy as of late. And it's due, it's been due to circumstances out of our control. So thanks, thanks a lot for hanging in there. Thanks for... 
uh, tuning in whenever we are able to post an episode. It does really mean a lot, and we appreciate it. Yes, it's a lot of fun for us to get together and do this, and we're glad that we found an audience that also enjoys just hanging out with us on this podcast and uh, listening to movies and giving us feedback afterwards. I think that's the best part is we do the podcast and people come up to us afterwards and they talk about the episode with us and like their opinions and things like that. So thank you very much. Also, it would be awesome for all you people that text us, comment on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Instagram. Let us know what you think. Give us ideas for topics. We are not smart men and we run out of ideas. <laughs> there, Please. We've been doing this almost a year. So we're like, we're doing our best to try and create interesting content. I made people pick letters for this one. <laughs> I am not doing that next round, but okay. No, really. All y'all text us, comment and stuff, or I guess not comment, but yeah, y'all text us and give us ideas and stuff. Give it, do it on Facebook, do it on Instagram, do it on Twitter. Like that is how we will be able to get out there more, you know, reach more viewers and stuff. So, but thank you very much. Yep. I'm out. Bye.